to the LifeSpring Church podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. When we began 2022, can you believe Thanksgiving's just a few days away? Whew. Just, it's like we're on warp speed. Crazy. We begin 2022 with a vision, with a, a call, with a uh, a compulsion, a compelling. Let's have radical church. Radical church, not like 1960s and 1970s. You're doing radical, but radical as in. The second definition of radical, which means original, back to the beginning, back to the foundation. Let's have original radical church. Let's have church like the apostles had church. What happened when the apostles had church? Well, the presence of God was always there. People were saved. Miracles happened. And people talked about them. We like all of it but the last part, right? <laughs> when the apostles had church, they ended up in the street. And 120 saved turned into 2,000 saved. And when they began to spread throughout the city, the 2,000 saved turned into 3,000 and 5,000 and multitudes. Radical church. Having incredible, powerful church. We're so thankful for radical church. Amen? Amen? Amen. We want to have church just like the apostles had church. So, having radical church means we don't have church just like everybody else has church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> the power of God moves through a church that surrenders its heart and its mind and its life to Jesus. Surrenders its heart to Jesus. I want to challenge us today to change maybe our perspective. Sometimes when we look at church, at God, at the kingdom... We look at it through our human eyes. We look at it through our human perspective. Let's maybe set aside our human perspective and take on a spiritual perspective and looking at the kingdom of God and the house of God and all that God wants to do in our lives today. Amen? Amen. So I want to speak to us this morning on this concept, this idea, a spiritual perspective. Having a spiritual perspective. That's what it takes to have radical church. We don't look at church from our human eyes. We look at church from a spiritual viewpoint. Amen? If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Numbers. Chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And we'll start at verse 26. I'm kind of jumping in the middle of the story, but we'll, we'll catch up on some of the details here. In just a minute. Numbers 13, 26 through 31. 
And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people being strong that dwelt in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover we saw the children of Anak there. Verse 29, the Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwelt in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwelt by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Thank you for standing in respect to his word. You can be seated this morning. In this short passage, the segment of the story, we find both faith and fear. We find both a human perspective And we find a spiritual perspective. I want to challenge us today. Let's have a spiritual perspective in our lives. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 says, Death and life are in the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Did you know you have the ability to choose your future? Hold on. I thought it was all ordained by God. It is ordained by God. But you get the power of choice in your life. And whether you're going to live or whether you're going to die in the next moment of your life depends on the words that you say and the thoughts that you put together to produce those words. It really depends on whether you choose to have faith or you choose to have fear in the next moment of your life. Fear is the opposite of faith. You cannot be fearful and faithful at the same time. You can't be full of faith, believing in the spiritual and the supernatural And at the same time, being fearful, doubting the spiritual and the supernatural. Reminds me of the story where Jesus went to heal. And the father said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What he was really saying is, I want to believe, but I'm fearful. My faith isn't strong enough to believe that your work and word is going to do exactly what it says to do. So rather than my fear getting in the way, help me overcome my unbelief and have faith so that your word can do what it's meant to do. Life and death are in the tongue. What would happen if Jesus had free course to speak life into you? 
What if you rejected fear and embraced faith and you let the word of God speak hope and promise into your life? Fear is that unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by us having anticipation for something that's unknown or sometimes it's even unknown or even an awareness of danger around us or the possibility of danger around us. Faith is a firm belief in something for which there is in the moment no hard evidence. If I told you that God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and He does, and you've never experienced that before, there's a choice. Either I can be fearful of what God's experience is for me, or I can have faith that, yes, it's His Word and He really wants to do it, even though I may have never personally experienced it. Fear or faith. Mark 4 and 40 says, this is Jesus talking, and He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it ye have no faith? Sometimes Jesus just asks the, the, the point-blank question, right? He just loads up and sets it right in front of you and just asks the question. I'm with you. I'm standing right here. I'm God manifested in flesh. Why are you afraid? How come you don't have faith? I wonder if sometimes God looks at us. In the situations, in the circumstances, we're going through life and he questions us. And, and maybe his question is the same to us. How is it you have no faith in this moment? Maybe you can testify this morning. Has God ever been faithful to you? Has God ever healed your body? Has God ever provided when it seemed like there was no way for provision? Has God ever liberated you or freed you from a doubt, a, a depression, an addiction? Has God set mercy into your life and grace into your life? If He did it then, He can still do it now. And so we should not be faithless, but we should be faithful. Full of faith. Faith and fear will eventually express themselves in our words and our actions. And whichever one consumes us will be the expression that comes out of us. We've been around people and, and you probably could name them or think about them even now. And, and your, the characteristic of their life is they're a faith-filled person or they're a fear-filled person. Well, every time I talk to this person, they're just scared of something, fearful of something, anxious of something, worried about something, concerned about something. Their voice and their words and their actions are always preparing for some catastrophe that's coming down the line. They live eye-strung, stressed out, worried about everything. And yet nothing is to be worried about because it never comes to pass. Worry drains us. Fear drains us. You've met other people who are full of faith. Every time you have a conversation with them, they're encouraging. Their, their words are about the plan of God and what God's going to do. And, and they're, they're always looking at the bright side of things. And they're always talking about how God's going to work in the situation. 
Did you know that faith doesn't change our situation? Faith changes our reaction to the situation. You're still going to have bad days. You're still going to have obstacles. Just because you have faith in God doesn't mean the obstacles go away. It just changes how we attack the obstacles. Let's talk about this fear and faith in our words and actions. Job chapter 3, verse 25. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come upon me. Well, do you know where the boogeyman lives? Right where you think he lives. That's where the boogeyman lives. He lives, if you think the boogeyman lives under your bed, guess where the boogeyman lives? Under your bed. If you think the boogeyman lives in the closet, guess where the boogeyman lives? He lives in the closet. If you're fearful of it, you're going to live your life as though it exists. And before long, it's going to manifest itself. And you're going to be like, see, I told you the whole time. I knew it. Sometimes we just need our Heavenly Father to walk into the room, turn on the lights, open the closet door, and say, where's the boogeyman? We need our Heavenly Father to drag us out of bed, get us out of our complacency, get us out of our humanity, give us a spiritual perspective, hand us a flashlight, and say, crawl under that bed there and tell me where the boogeyman is. There is no boogeyman. Have faith. Believe in God. Job said, I got exactly what I was fearing in my life. Joel 3 and 10. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. The people of God didn't even have weapons. They'd given up on fighting. And Joel the prophet said, hey, we're not going to sit here and be fearful of the enemy and be afraid of the enemy and be scared of the enemy and let the enemy come in and, and take from us whatever they want at their own will. We'll take what we have, our, our instruments which we use to create the harvest, we'll turn them into weapons so that we can defend our harvest. And then the enemy will come and say, oh, they're so weak. We've been able to attack them every year at harvest season. We've been able to steal from them and, and take all of their goods from them. They're so weak, there's nothing they can do. We'll send down the, the new recruits for them. And when those say that we are weak, they'll find out we are really strong. Because we're no longer living in fear, but we're living in faith, believing that God is going to be on our side. Our words and our actions will eventually demonstrate our faith or our fear. 2 Corinthians 12 and 10. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul was writing to the church of Corinth. He's making a very plain statement to them the bad stuff in life didn't go away because I had faith but the bad stuff in life didn't overtake me because I didn't have fear I did have faith and I became stronger through the trial and the struggle and the tribulation there's a reason Paul could sit in house arrest and write letters out to the churches 
because he knew he'd already experienced. He wasn't instructing the churches in something he hadn't experienced. He was telling them, when persecution comes, you can make it through. It may not be comfortable. You may have to be let down the city wall in a basket to keep them from killing you. You may get stoned. You may end up shipwrecked. But in every situation, God was faithful. And I kept my faith in Him. And He brought us through. Paul's on a ship, a prisoner, on his way to Rome. And the storm comes and begins to batter the ship. And they begin to throw luggage and tackling and all the wares of the ship off because water's coming on and this storm looks like it's taking us down and we've got to lighten the load. In the middle of the storm, an angel comes to Paul. says, hey, tell everybody to stay with the ship. If you stay with the ship, you'll be saved. What would we do if we were in that situation? Maybe I prod our human perspective a little bit. Would we be sitting in our little cell having a pity party? Come on, Lord, really? I'm already arrested. Why you got me on this thrill ride of a storm out here in the middle of the ocean? Not really had much to eat, but holding that down isn't going to work very well. This keeps going on, Lord, and looks like we're drowning. They're already throwing stuff off. The boat's probably going to go down. So here I am. I did all this work for you, God, and you sent me in jail, and you sent me to Rome, and now you're going to drown me in the middle of the ocean. Thanks, God. That's kind of our perspective, right? Lord, it's just terrible. And the only thing that get better is if it ends and if you just take my life and if it's just all over, Lord. Our human perspective, our human view. But the spiritual perspective was Paul stood up and walked up to him. Hey, I had a vision from a dream or a vision from an angel. The angel told me that if we stay with the ship, whatever you got to do, grab the, a board, grab a, a floating device, grab my suitcase, whatever you got to do, grab something and stay with the ship and we'll all be safe. And they are safe. They all wash up on shore. The native people of the land where they were at take them captive. Really, Lord? Rumors are going around. Hey, these are all a bunch of convicts that they're hauling to Rome. Maybe we should just go ahead and kill them all now. That way we don't get in trouble for losing them. Paul's like, I'm going to be useful. I'm going to find some sticks and help build the fire. Don't kill me. I can build fires. And so he's doing his best to help out the, the party of the washed up jailbirds. He grabs a pile of sticks and a viper comes out and bites him. Really? Come on. The Bible says he just shakes it off, goes about his business. And all the people are like, ooh, he's the bad one. The quote-unquote, the universe is going to equal the score. The universe is after him. Karma is going to equal the score. He must be the worst of them all. 
It's amazing how human perspective looks at things. Ooh, tragedy happened. You're bad. Minutes go by. Hours go by. Evening time comes. Paul's hand didn't swell up. He didn't get sick. He's doing just fine. And the perspective from humanity went from, oh, he's a god. From the worst of the worst to now he's a god. Human perspective. Spiritual perspective is Paul had a calling on his life and he knew he was called to be a missionary and he knew he was going to Rome and he had his testimony ready so when he stood in front of his judge in Rome, he could tell the gospel to him. Paul knew his destination. Paul had faith. God had given me a voice. God had given him a testimony. And God was putting him in process to share that testimony. Faith doesn't mean that our obstacles don't exist. Faith means we see who's in control regardless of the obstacles in our life. Faith doesn't do away with problems. Faith changes our interaction with our problems. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 38. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall not take pleasure in him. This word draw back, it means literally to recoil and to tuck, to tuck down in, in fear. The word picture here in, in the Greek is someone hunkering down, afraid, fearful. So we see in this verse that if you live by faith, you'll go forward. If you live by fear, you'll go backwards. You can have faith for something until it occurs. Or you can have fear for something until it occurs. Whether you believe in the plan of God in your life or you're fearful for the, human, the humanity of your life, you will get what you're looking for because you always find what you're looking for. Amen? Amen. That's what will happen in your life. Luke 1, 46 through 49. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For, behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Grab a hold of this. In the moment that you're living, it's not either faith or fear, because faith and fear are not in the moment. Faith and fear are the next moment. 
Faith and fear are the next minute. Faith and fear are the next day, the next week. Faith and fear are always the future. We either fear the future or we have faith for the future. And Mary is proclaiming faith for her future. Let's see what David said in Psalms 34. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Both Mary and David are magnifying the Lord. Both of them are praising him and honoring him and worshiping him. And in doing so, God performs in their future. That's faith. That's faith. Believing that God's going to do what only God can do. That's in the middle of a struggle, the middle of a trial, middle of a tribulation, middle of uncertain events going on. Maybe they're good, maybe they're bad, but in the middle of unknowing or not knowing, just believing God, having faith. Believing that God's going to work in the future. Believing that God has the next moment in His control. Hebrews 11 and 1, we know this as... The defining verse for faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Let's break this verse down. Verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. When I was growing up as a child and a teenager and a young adult, I always heard this, this verse. And, and to me, faith was the invisible. Faith was the intangible. But if you read this verse, that's not what it says. The things hoped for are the invisible things in the future. The things hoped for, the things we've not yet seen, touched, heard, experienced, those are the intangibles, the things that we're hoping for. How does the thing I hope for come to pass? How does it become real? How does it have substance? How does it become tangible? By my faith. My faith makes the invisible visible. My faith makes the untouchable in my grasp. Oh, Lord, our family needs a miracle. Oh, God, our family needs a miracle. Am I praying for the miracle or am I praying against the fear of what might happen if God doesn't work? Oh, I'm going to pray for the miracle. I'm going to pray that God's hand moves. I'm going to pray that healing is done. I'm going to pray that direction is given. I'm going to pray that his word is accomplished in our lives. I'm going to pray his promises to pass. I'm going to pray with faith, believing that God's going to do what he said he would do. Anybody here own binoculars? What happens if you look in your binoculars backwards? That six foot person is about half an inch. 
the perspective is completely changed. If you look through your binoculars correctly, everything that is small gets bigger. It magnifies the view. That's human perspective. It magnifies the problem. It magnifies the stress. It magnifies the anticipation. Human perspective says, oh, it's bigger than it really is. We are all being honest with each other today. We've all stressed out till we were sick in our gut over some situation. And then when we actually got to the moment, it was a non-event. Whether it was a job interview, riding the roller coaster at the fair. Well, no, that one was kind of crazy. Whether it's meeting somebody for the first time, I don't know, different personalities, different things cause people to have different anxieties and different stresses in their life. And you, and you get there and you, you meet somebody for the first time and it's like, oh, they're just as human as I am. I remember the first time I had a, a one-on-one sit down with, with my pastor, we were in a place of transition and and he was a leader in our church organization. At the time, he was the superintendent over the Missouri district, all of the churches in Missouri in our organization. And so I had never really had a one-on-one with him. I just kind of knew him, knew, him, knew him as a leader. But we were in a place of transition, and we were looking for a, a church to settle in there in that, that moment of transition. And so... I just called him out of the blue. I said, hey, Brother Gleason, um, our family's in transition. The, the church we're in is going through some transition. We need to find a place to settle. We need to find a place to rest. It, it's kind of like to come to the Life Church. Said, well, let's get together and talk about what, what, what's going on. So those were the most fearful words I'd ever heard in my life. The district superintendent wants to sit down and have lunch with me. I hope God doesn't tell him all the bad stuff about me before we get there. <laughs> I hope when we sit down, the, the Holy Ghost doesn't begin to tell him all of my problems and all of my faults and all of my failures. Man, he's a great leader. I hope he doesn't look at me and see how pathetic I am as a leader. And all these anxieties and all these uncertainties and all these... I don't know what you would call them. Imaginations, exactly. Start building up. and He's like, well, let's meet at Subway. And I'm like, well, that's kind of human. Okay. <laughs> it's not some secret society we have to go to. We can just go to Subway. And we sat down at Subway and he had to walk through the line to order his sandwich, just like I did. His sandwich didn't float out to the table on a magic carpet. We sat there and I watched, and he ate his sandwich one bite at a time. It didn't just metaphysically dissolve and go into his body. 
we begin to have a conversation. He began to speak to me in English. Common questions, common words. The same conversation you would have with anybody you would sit down with. And I had spent days, maybe even a couple weeks, fretting and worrying and stressed out. And I had the binoculars and I was looking at this situation and I had magnified it so big and so out of proportion. Come to find out he was just a human just like I was. That's what happens to us in our lives. We'll look at the struggles, we'll look at the trials, we'll look at the problems, and we'll ex exaggerate them. And they become so big that we lose faith, and our faith becomes overcome with fear. Well, I want to challenge you today. Keep your binoculars. Just turn them over. Just flip them over. Don't look for your human perspective. Look from a spiritual perspective. Because when God's in control, he's looking from heaven's perspective. And all the stuff that we see that looks so big around us, from heaven's perspective, it's just a little dot in existence. Flip your binoculars over. Look from a spiritual perspective. Hey, this must be what it's like from heaven. My problem, I can barely even see it now. My faith is encouraged and my fear is diluted. My faith is built up and my fear is regressing because now I see God working and doing what only He can do. You're familiar with the story of the Israelites, right? Moses comes their deliverer. They're delivered from the land of Egypt, from slavery. They travel to the land of promise. If you study the story, you find it was actually a fairly quick trip from Egypt to the land of promise. But because of the story we read today, the children of Israel end up walking in the wilderness in a circle for 40 years. So the quick trip, they show up at the land of promise. And they want to prepare, they want to move forward. And so they get a survey party together and they send them out. Go survey the land. Go check it out. And this party of men go out and there's one from every tribe. And they go out and they begin to, to scour and to look. And they, you read... Numbers chapter 13, it tells you who the people were. And it gives you a little bit of breakdown on where they went and what they were doing. And they went by this well, and they went by this wall, and they went out to this valley, and they went out to this vineyard, and they're looking at all of it. The Bible says it took them 40 days to survey the land of promise. 40 days they were looking at all of this stuff. And then they come back, and they gather the people together, and they gather Moses and Aaron, and they begin to share their experience. Let's go back to the Bible. Let's go back to Numbers 13. I think I want to go to verse 28. I didn't give you that one. We'll have to go back to the previous verses. 28. Oh, let's go back one more. 27. Yeah, this is it. So they're leaving Egypt, and they get a promise from God. God's going to take us to a land that flows with milk and honey. God's going to take us to a land where we'll 
harvest from vineyards that we didn't have to plant. We'll harvest from fields that we didn't have to sow. We'll live in houses that we didn't have to build. This was the pretense. This was the promise with which they traveled to the promised land with. And so they surveyed the land, and here's what they said when they came back. We came into the land where thou sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. A couple verses up, you'll find in the story that a cluster of grapes, not the grapes, the cluster of grapes, was so large that they had to put a staff through it to carry it, one on each end. Two men to carry a cluster of grapes. Enough grapes for a family of Israelites. This is what they saw when they surveyed the land. The promise God made, I see it. The promise God said to me, I can see it. I can hear it. I can feel it. I can touch it. I can experience it. I can walk in it. Yes, there's milk and honey in this land. Yes, there's vineyards here ready to harvest. Yes, I see field upon field ready for us to go in and to glean from. I see houses, great houses, big houses, strong houses where we can just move right on in. In this moment, you would have thought their faith would have maxed out. You would have thought their faith would have been through the ceiling. Verse 28. Nevertheless. You know what that word means? Fear. Fear. Fear overcame them. What were they fearful of? They weren't fearful of the promise. They were fearful of what their human perspective saw because they didn't look just with a spiritual perspective. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. We saw giants in the land. We saw things bigger than us. We saw stuff more uh, stronger than us. We saw stuff more put together than we are. We see generations that have lived here and established themselves. We see many people. We see strong people. Fear begins to overtake them. Let's go to verse 30. And Caleb, he steals the people. Hold on a second. I can see there's, there's the ten over here and there's the two over here. The ten with the bad report and the two that are trying to share a good report. And it's kind of like, sorry, this is a terrible analogy. It's kind of like a rap battle. These people are throwing their lines, and then these people are throwing their lines. And these people throw their lines, and these people throw their lines. That's an awful example. They're going back and forth, one with the other. The ten, it's terrible. The two, it's great. The ten, no, it's really bad. The two, we can do it. We can overcome. Verse 30. And Caleb, oh, sorry, back up, verse 30. And Caleb stealed the people. They just gave out theirs. Caleb's like, all right, hold on. Quiet, hold on. Don't get all riled up. Hear me out. Let us go up at once. 
Caleb, Caleb says, hey, the longer we talk about this, the less likely we're going to make action. We need to quit talking and we need to go up. We need to move. We need to let our faith stir us. We need to let our faith spark inside of us. Our faith needs to be the catalyst for us to take an action right now. If God said it, we believe it. We saw it. We touched it. We experienced it. We brought back evidence of it. Let's go do it. Let's possess, for we are well able to overcome it. This, if you write in your Bible, you should go next to Numbers 13 and 30, and you should write the word faith. This is faith. Caleb had a spiritual perspective. Caleb had the perspective of his promise. I saw the milk and honey. I saw the land. I saw the grapes. I saw the houses. I saw the walls. I saw the people. I saw the promise of God at my fingertips. Verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. You read a couple of verses down. They're still belly aching. And they say, we were but grasshoppers in their eyes. They had their binoculars the right way. They were looking through the eyes of human perspective. They needed to get a hold of Caleb's binoculars and flip them around and look backwards. No, they're not as big as we think they are. Yes, they're giants, but they're not giants that can overtake us. God's on our side. God promised us. God's with us. God's going before us. You need to understand in this very moment, you may be looking at a situation or a promise. You may be looking forward and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. You don't know what the results are going to be. But your past is in the past. Let it stay there. And your future is ahead of you. Don't speak it with fear. Speak it with faith. Don't look into tomorrow fearful of what's going to happen. Step into tomorrow believing in the promise of God. The Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. If God's delivered you from an addiction, you'll be free tomorrow. You'll be free on Tuesday. You'll be free next week. If God has freed you, you are free. If God's forgiven you of sin, don't let the sin of your past well up. Don't be fearful of sin tomorrow. You are an overcomer through Christ who strengthens you. Temptation will come, but faith says I'm victorious despite temptation. You may be facing diagnosis, tests, promises, things that you don't understand and going on in your life. God will, God's will will be done, but I don't address it with fear. I address it with faith. God, your word says you'll never leave me and never forsake me. Your word says by his stripes we are healed. Your word says you are an ever-present help in time of need. I'll not live tomorrow in fear. I'll live it in faith. I'm not going to look at it. From my perspective, I'm going to look at it from God's perspective. I'm going to look at it from God's point of view. I'm coming to a close this morning. You can stand. You don't even need binoculars to get the right perspective.
Sometimes it's just placement. Sometimes it's just placement. In the movie industry, they use what's called miniatures. They'll build an entire city that sits on a table. And they'll have little mini cars that they've modeled and mini buildings that they've modeled and miniature King Kongs that they've modeled. And if you get the view, the point of view correctly, you can't tell if it's a miniature or the real thing. King Kong looks like he's as tall as the Empire State Building. But really, he's just a three little, three-inch little figurine being used to create a movie. Sometimes it's not the situation that's the problem. Sometimes it's our placement in relationship to the situation. Sometimes we've gotten so close and so near to the problem that it looks bigger than reality. It looks bigger than real life. And fear has overtaken us and it's drawn us into the problem. I want to challenge you this morning. Walk away from fear. Walk away from the problem. Walk away from the uncertainty. And draw not close to the problem, but draw close to God. What happens if we get close to God? He gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The closer I get to Him. The closer I get to His will. The closer I get to His plan. The destiny God has for you. Yes, it's big, but by faith, you will be all that God called you to be. You can be everything that God called you to be. So I challenge you this morning. Let your faith arise. Take on a spiritual perspective today and see it the way that God sees it. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.